Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Three verbal commitments on Saturday, Cam, for Steve Sarkeesian and company. They had one yesterday, so Texas up to 12 verbals in the class of 2024. Uh, which one of these four jumps out to you? Though? By the way, in the 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings, Texas up to 28 now overall, and that's with 12 Climbing. verbal commitments. Uh, which one of these four jumps out to you the most, Cam? Which one? It's either you know Jordan Johnson, Rebel, the uh, safety. He's out of IMG Academy, but he's from Fort Worth, so he's a, he's a Texas kid. Uh, and then you've got Parker Livingstone, the wide receiver from Lovejoy. Alex January, the Texas legacy defensive lineman, big, uh, three hundred twenty five pound defensive lineman out of Duncanville. And then Jordan Washington, the tight end from Langham Creek, who committed last night. Which of these four really jump out to you, Cam? Is a good take for the Longhorns, one that gets you excited? I mean, honestly, I think all are good takes. I saw Alex January play a lot this postseason for Duncanville mm-hmm. alongside Colin Sim- Simmons. Yeah. Um, he's a big guy. He mm-hmm. is a space eater. And, I, th- I mean, I think a lot of these guys, Jeff, three stars, four stars, you know, I think they're going to be promoted. If that's the right word. They're gonna they're gonna move up. Yeah, Alex January is one of the guys. You know, Hudson Standish, uh, who works for us at Horns twenty four seven. Hudson's doing a little more on the evaluation side, network wide now. And Hudson said, you know, Alex January's a guy that could definitely be in line for a bump. Yeah, and I think he will. Six foot four, three twenty five. Yes, please. Uh, Jordan Washington. We talked about on the show a lot about the tight end position, how important it is to Sark's offense, right? Mm-hmm. How much, how big JT Sanders is going to play this season in Sark's offensive role. Now, I know last year, Spencer Shannon, Roll Randall, who was coming off, of, I believe, a torn Achilles, ACL. Uh, uh, yes, ACL. And then you still have Gunnar Helm and Juan Davis, Juan Davis. in the mix. But mm-hmm. you don't really have that next tight end. This last class, he tried to go after Deuce Robinson, didn't get him. Uh, there was that other four-star tight end that ended up going to, I believe, Vanderbilt, if you know who I'm talking about. He was more kind of more of the, the pass-catching guy versus the inline blocking, which I think is Spencer Shannon in Gunnar Helm's type role. Washington fits into that pass catching big play tight end that Sark likes to have. He's six foot four, uh watching his tape a little bit over the weekend, Jeff. He's a guy that he can make big plays. He's a guy that loves to run up the middle in the seam routes. We saw how important that was for JT Sanders this year. I mean the Oklahoma game. Remember that touchdown pass over the seam, oh, the end man. zone, he bulldozed a couple defenders. Yeah, I was gonna say which one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Washington kind of reminds me of that watching it on tape. Now I think he's still got a little bit you know, he's still prospect still raw um his blocking was described as uh he has strong conviction blocking i don't know what that means he's a it means he's a willing blocker okay yeah yeah willing to willing to stick his face in there yeah okay so he's still got work to go with blocking right uh camorian pimpkins who you're thinking about yes, was committed Camorian. to vanderbilt texas was in the mix there ended up signing with lsu, LSU correct yeah. yeah he was yeah. a guy that i thought he was sark was going to flip back to texas because of uh, his they, pass catching prowess they tried yeah it came down to the last day they tried. Uh, yeah, North I, I Crowley. Just, thank you, Stoner. Yes. I, uh, yeah, come on, Pimpton's from North Crowley. Alex January is it for me because I, I just, you know, I'm almost getting to the point with like interior defensive linemen where I am with offensive tackles. 
Like, if you're not going to recruit a guy that you know, like, you look at him. Like, you look at Malcolm Brown coming out of high school, right, when he was coming out of Brenham. We're like, dude, if if everything stays on trajectory, this dude's going to be a first-round pick in three years. And lo and behold, he was an All-American in a first-round pick after three years at Texas. I think you either have to take those guys. I think once you get past that wave of initial guys that are like, okay, these are no-doubters, then it becomes all about scheme fit. Beauty is kind of in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. at that point. Development. And I think what you look at when you look at this defense, it does seem like, especially recruiting a guy like Colin Simmons, and I, I do think with – and we'll see the development, but with guys like Ethan Burke, Colton Vosick, Justice Finkley, Jamon Tapp, They've got the tools there to have guys that are the true hybrid edge guys that PK wants. And if you're going to have true hybrid edge guys, you need some space eaters in the interior to occupy bodies. You think about you know when PK was the defensive coordinator at Washington. And they had dudes. He he had success with dudes like Danny Shelton and dudes like Vita Vea. You know, big 330 to 350 pound defensive tackles. And I'm not saying Alex January is going to get that big, but you know, in college football, you can have you a couple 330s. Uh, you know, just you can't do what, what Charlie Strong was trying to do, and you can't have seven of those guys on a roster. And, but you can't do what Tom Herman and Todd Orlando are doing, and you can't have none of those guys on a roster. Like you got to have a few of them sprinkled in. I think this staff is is I, I could, I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a foolproof plan that's going to work, Cam. But you yeah. can see the vision. You can see the vision of how they're building this defensive front. They want, and, and it's part of what Sarks talked about too. They want size, and in terms of size, they want. They want girth. They want length on the interior. They want strength on the interior. And they want hybrid, athletic, twitchy guys on the outside, similar to the way they're building the offensive line. They want twitchy guys that tackle. They want big, hulking, strong dudes that can get a push-up front on the interior. You're, I, I like the way this staff is. I can see the method of the madness now. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. You you can see the vision of where they're trying to go with their lines of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you, you know, who or who won't work out you know recruiting is it's it's i don't have a crystal ball right crap shoot, it's, it's a crapshoot but it does seem like and this is coming from a texas fan so you know call me boss if you want but it does seem like this year and even last year that sark and his staff are getting the takes they want to have right they're not going after guys because well we didn't fill this position so we kind of have to scramble the last second and sign these guys on decision day he's taking these guys in june and july just like last year building the staff that he wants. And as a Texas fan, you know, it's encouraging. Also, the the last part of the equation is, okay, now do it on the football field. Yeah, We'll see. But it does seem like, and, and Jeff, disagree with me, please, if, if I'm wrong, but it does seem like Sark and his staff are getting the guys that they truly want. This class was going, and, and I, by the way, we haven't even Small mentioned class, this. right? Yeah, the NCAA is keeping this thing going of no initial counter limits. So basically, as long as you don't go over the 85, you can continue to add pieces to the roster. The The problem you're running in now, and, and you see this at, at all different kinds of schools, right? Like, you're going to get a class that might not, if you have two just lights out back-to-back classes, you can still sign a quality class that third year. It just might not be quite, on paper what the other two have been. I think you're seeing that a little bit with Texas this year because recruits understand, like, the information's out there. They know what you've recruited the last two years. They know what your depth looks like. So that might get some of those high-caliber four-star guys to be like, you know what, I, I'm i going to go to, I don't know, at, at Oklahoma or, you know, in, in Arkansas 
a place where I might have a chance to play a little bit earlier. And I'm not saying Oklahoma and Arkansas specifically, but I'm just, you know, insert school A here. So I do think from that standpoint, to get a quality class, it needed to be a quality class in terms of evaluations. And I, I think this staff, you know, we've seen it. Like, you remember, Cam, not so much last year you heard it a little bit, but remember that first year Sark was on the job in 21, so two summers ago? Mm-hmm. Everybody was freaking out. Oh, my gosh, they don't have any commits. They're going into the summer without any commits. What's wrong with Sark? He can't recruit, blah, blah, blah. And then we saw him gradually build it through the summer. You get into the fall, and then boom, right before signing day, you get Kelvin Banks and all the linemen, and and everything falls into place. Last summer, it's kind of slow, it's kind of slow, and then boom, you get Arch, and then everything falls into place. I I don't think you've gotten that take yet that's going to allow everything to fall into place, but I I do like the fact that this staff has a plan, and they stick to it. They've got a couple guys they're going to identify really early, a handful of guys that they're going to recruit through the spring. And then in the eval- during the evaluation period, they're going to get on the road, see stuff with their own eyes, make use of camps. Like They're not just there for camps collecting a check. Like They actually want to bring guys in for evaluations for potential offers during camp and then go through the summer, get guys on campus. And then by the time you get to the fall, your board for the most part will be set by the time you get to the fall. And you'll have you'll have your targets, and you'll have guys that you've got on the periphery. I hate using the term fallback plan in recruiting, but let's face it, it's a numbers game, and you you might have a guy that say, okay, it's not a situation of okay, this guy's our fallback plan. It might be like, you know what, um, we really like this guy. We can't take another safety right now, but if we don't get the guys we want at off-ball linebacker, we'll just move a scholarship instead of having the spot occupied for an off-ball linebacker. Let's take the safety we really like. Instead of taking the off-ball lineman, off-ball linebacker that we're not really sure about, mm-hmm. and then the portals completely change things too because now you can go cherry pick guys in the portal. And your Texas with the NIL funding that you have, we talk about lack of it for baseball. You ain't lacking it in football. You can kind of go cherry pick and get what you need out of the portal. And and that's that's the the thing that I love the most is, I mean, Ad Mitchell, Ryan Sanborn, they've done it a little bit, but man, post spring they didn't go. They didn't need to go other than Trill Carter. They didn't need to go into the portal. There were he, no. And he was, yeah, and he was a huge addition. Like he, I think out of all the, the ads, I know Jalen Catlin's probably going to be at the top one. Yeah. I think Trill Carter kept the biggest impact. As and well. we've already heard rumblings from even when he first got on campus that oh yeah, Trill Carter will make a difference. Love to hear that this year, and he will play. And I think you're really setting it up for. The hope is that you can get maybe another year out of Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, and, May, and Byron Murphy comes back for another year. Some combination of those guys comes back with Trill Carter. You can just keep this D line thing going. And just keep yourself stockpiled with frontline type D linemen, which would be huge as you go into the SEC. You mentioned about Arch being the piece that really brought this class together last year. Is there even a player for this year's class? Because what the biggest reason I think for Arch commitment, or not the biggest reason, but one of the biggest positives from his commitment was all the guys that wanted to play with them, right? I don't know if there's a player like that in this class. Now, Colin Simons. If he goes to Texas, that's going to be probably the biggest commit in this class because of his potential and what he can do in the football field. But I don't know if there's an yeah. X or a YC type of guy who's like, yeah, I want to go play where Collins played. Maybe it's Micah Hudson, but I don't know if there's the same yeah, same guy. You can't, you really can't compare Arch Manning's impact on that class yeah, to anyone else in this year's Yeah, class. I don't think there's a guy like that this year, Cam. I mean, just being honest, I don't. I just don't think yeah. there is. Uh, this, uh, we've got a text in says, Georgia and Alabama having that problem. No, but you're comparing apples to pomegranates. You're talking about schools that have won national championships recently. Well, even Alabama's class right now is, I believe it's below Texas, right? 
Uh, I think it was slight. I'll check the Actually, rankings me, real quick. Let me pull those up. I've got my uh, recruiting list right here. They're twenty five. Texas twenty eight. Okay, but you know, <laughs> to say, well, yeah, Alabama's not having a problem stacking depth. Well, yeah, Alabama hadn't had a problem winning national championships either. Jordan had Georgia hadn't had a problem winning national championships lately. At some point, it's just it's just one of those deals. You know, go look at Texas was Texas under Mac Brown in the glory days. They were Texas was where. Georgia and Alabama are right now. You're just stacking talent on top of talent on top of talent. Now it got to a point where whether it was that staff got complacent or whatever happened happened, you know, we saw where recruiting started to trend. But you go back and look at those classes really from 99 to 02, I mean, there was just an absurd amount of NFL talent that came to campus during that time. That's what Alabama's done over a decade plus with Nick Saban. That's what Georgia's done the last half decade under Kirby Smart. And hopefully that's where Texas gets to at a point under Sark, but they're just not there yet. So this was, again, this was always going to have to be, and Cam just pointed out, there's not that one bell cow recruit. Now you're still in the mix for some high caliber guys. Colin Simmons is one of those guys. Uh, Kobe Black, the defensive back from Waco Connolly is one of those guys. So you're still in the mix for some high caliber guys. It's just there's not that one recruit that you get and you say, okay, everything falls. And, and that goes for everybody right now. It's not that one guy you get to where you say, okay, everything's going to fall into place right here. If there was that one guy, I thought it could have been, it could have been, and this is obviously looking a year plus ago, it could have been Dylan Rayola. Dylan mm-hmm. Rayola could have been that guy. But the minute you got Arch Manning, the, the chances of you getting Dylan Rayola vanished. You yeah. had no shot to get him at that point because yeah. he and his family, they knew what that Texas quarterback room looked like. And yes, Cam, I'll go ahead and ask you since everybody's talking about it. Did you see the photo of the oh, Texas did quarterback? I see it, spot? Jeff. Man, I printed it out. I got a couple of photocopies on my wall and I'm just Did kidding. you manage to keep your pants yeah. on? Yeah. I that was that I got people who who weren't even that big in the the Texas like were texting me like, "Hey, have you seen this picture?" I had have people, you seen I was Arches at a 4th of July. Pack? I was at a 4th of July barbecue yesterday and I had people asking me about it. Yes, <laughs> I saw the picture. Is that the steamiest Texas picture of all time besides Beyonce's crop top Chris Sims jersey? I mean, to each their own. If you want to take Malik Murphy looking like Derrick Henry over Beyonce in the David Ash jersey, then okay, that's fine. But I'll I'll take Beyonce. I had someone tell me that Texas should start Arch Manning week one because of what he looked like. I was like, uh, let's uh, let's back it up there. Let's There's... say things we can't take back now. <laughs> there he is. The he is looking he is looking good though. There is, but hey, put me in Texas's strength and conditioning, and man, I'll look like Jason Momoa and Aquaman too. There is nothing that means less about playing quarterback <laughs> than how a dude looks like with his shirt off. It's the equivalent of the NBA summer workout videos, where it's like, oh, look at Mitchell Robinson dunking on dudes <laughs> lifetime. It's See, like, look those at guys Zion; he's getting above the rim. Like, yeah, until his hamstring explodes in three weeks, and then we're right back to square look one. Look at Zion dunking a charity event. For little kids, Zion, yeah. Zion's got. He's played seventy <laughs> games in four years. Sure, Zion's got problems now off the court too. So <laughs> he might just, be another dad. Let's give, let's give my man, let's give my man a break. Yeah, hey, at least the at least his sex tape wasn't released. Shout out to uh, I forget whoever stopped that from happening. <sighs> There's one out there though, isn't it? Is it out there? I mean, I would assume so. I know Every, her. That, Everything's out in the in what in the cloud. Out now, in the ether, yeah. Well, I know whatever. her. She threatened to release it on Twitter, and I think Twitter. Uh, Speaking of Twitter, Jeff, I mean, what a what a complete <sighs> crap hole it is. But the one thing Twitter's done that's been good was uh, deleting or blocking her account on Twitter. Mariah Mills, the uh, rate limit met was yeah. the rate limit exceeded for me. That was like that seated office space PC load letter. <laughs> What's that mean? Did it happen to you? Were, was your rate level yeah. exceeded? My rate oh, limit man. was exceeded. Yeah, 
I'd wait for it to reset, but I don't, I don't seem to have that problem now. 